0: just finished a wonderful series about the coming of Christ, um, dealing with the birth of Jesus and all the miracles that surrounded that birth, the events that led up to his birth, the events that followed. How did Jesus transition from childhood and uh, being a youth to his ministry, to his adulthood, when he actually began to go out and preach and heal and talk about the kingdom of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. A real important step in that process was his baptism. We're going to talk about his baptism today. Today, uh, we are thinking maybe a few days past about an inauguration that took place in our country, in the United States. The baptism of Jesus was his inauguration into the ministry that God had for him as an adult. And so today we're going to examine that. There's going to be um, a lot of exciting discoveries, and I just encourage you to get on board. And um, if you want to follow along, the scripture that we'll be using on the screen will, will be there. And uh, if you'd like to use your own device or your own Bible, we'll begin in Mark chapter 1. I think it's important for us at the very beginning, at the outset, to recognize that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, actually started with John the Baptist. John was the first player in the proclamation of the gospel. Let's read Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Verse 4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, verse 7. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark makes it very clear in that first verse that the beginning of the gospel started with John the Baptist. And he began right away to talk not only about repentance, but he talked about the one that would come after him, that he was not worthy to untie a sandal. And then he said, I baptize you with water. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the gospel began to be proclaimed by John the Baptist. That's an important thing for us to remember as we uh, go into this study today. So, when Jesus left his home in Nazareth of Galilee and he made the journey to the south part of the nation, to uh, the area of Judea and the Jordan River, this would have been a three to four day journey. Um, he contacted John the Baptist and he said, I need to be baptized. And John is taken back. He's um, he's not ready for this. And so let's read that passage in Matthew 3, 13 through 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. You can imagine John's feeling. He he knows about Jesus. Um, He's related to Jesus. And and he also knows um, about the ministry that Jesus had. Um, And so for Jesus to come and want to be baptized by John, John is just uh, floored by this. And feels that it should be the other way around. But Jesus makes it clear that it was proper for this to happen at this time. And he he uses this phrase, let us do this for now to fulfill all righteousness. And he uses us, the first person plural. He's saying, John, this is right for you and it's right for me. We both need to do this to uh, fulfill the things that God has in mind. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Jesus will, in a moment, be baptized. He'll go into the water and come up, and John will be the administrator of that baptism. He will, he will lower Jesus into the water and raise him out of the water. And uh, what, a, what an honor for John to be able to do that. And, and it's so fitting that he would do it because as a faithful forerunner to Jesus, he has been preaching about Jesus. He's been getting people ready for him. Uh, what better person to do the baptism than, than John? The thing that's difficult for many of us is that we associate particularly John's baptism with repentance. And it was. It was a baptism of repentance. And so people would repent of their sins, and then as a sign that that had taken place, they would submit to this baptism, be lowered into the water, be raised out, uh, signifying that um, dying to an old way of life and rising to a new way of life, Jesus had never sinned. And so for him to submit to this baptism seemed to be um, not quite uh, fitting. Jesus submitted to baptism for several reasons, and let's talk about those right now. First of all, he submitted to baptism because um, he wanted to identify with John's ministry John was the beginning of the gospel. He began the preaching of the gospel. And all of his emphasis on repentance was meant to prepare people's hearts so they would be ready to receive Jesus when he came. Um, It was important that Jesus um, affirm what John had done and give people the assurance that if they had gone through the baptism that that was part of his plan as well, and that he approved of that step in their journey to God. And so um, by being baptized and identifying with John's ministry, he was affirming John's ministry and affirming that John was also part of the ministry that he would carry on, that there was a seamless connection between John and him. That was so important. And this was one way that Jesus could affirm that, and he did. I wonder today, for us who are involved in the Lord's work, and I'm not just speaking about people who do it professionally, I'm talking about all of us who are believers. um, Do we affirm people who maybe don't have quite the same role as we do or aren't even part of the same group that we're a part of? and yet they're working for the same thing? What about about people that go to that other church that we drive by every week, and we sort of wonder what goes on in that place? Do we ever pray for them? Do we ever thank God that they're holding forth the message of Christ from that church? Uh, That would be the character of Jesus, to affirm and validate the ministries of people who are doing the same thing as we are. Now, not everybody has the exact same doctrine. Doctrine. We don't have the exact same methods. But if our purpose is the same, if we're being energized by the same Holy Spirit, if we're being led by God our Father in this ministry, then we need to affirm those people that are also doing the same ministry that we are. Well, let's continue on. So uh, Jesus... Uh, convinces John to to carry out the baptism. And I'd like for us to switch now over to, um, let let me just say a couple of more things before we we move on. Uh, Why did Jesus submit to baptism? Not only to affirm the ministry of John and to make a connection for people, but to identify with people who needed to repent. And that would be all of us, wouldn't it? He identified by baptism with people who needed to repent. Not saying, I need repentance as well, but affirming them in the step that they had taken. That was an important thing. And then when you think about it, what an amazing act of humility for Jesus to allow himself to be baptized by a sinful man. John the Baptist was a good man but he was not sinless. Jesus was sinless. It was a great act of humility on his part that, that just um, is a prelude to the ultimate act of humility when he submits to the cross. And uh, what, a, what a great event that is to think about the son of God, sinless son of God, submitting to the cross and paying for the sins of all of us. Uh, a sinless savior paying for sinful men and women. So humility. The other great importance to this event, of course, is what we've talked about at the very beginning, that this was Jesus' inauguration, uh, actually his ordination for ministry. I remember uh, when I was ordained and being in a service with other uh, ministers who were going to be ordained as well. And we heard a message and we had people stand over us and pray over us. And, and uh, we had taken tests ahead of time and we had gotten rec- references and we had been approved by our governing body. And, uh, and then we were declared um, fit to, pr- to preach the gospel. Well, this was a little different, but in a sense, Jesus is affirmed by John the Baptist. He's affirmed by the Holy Spirit. He's affirmed by God the Father. And we're going to read about that just now. Let's look at Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And, uh, you know, it doesn't give us any detail. None of the Gospels gives us the details of him going under the water and so forth. But we do know that it happened. And evidently, after he came up out of the water, he was praying. And then the scripture says that heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And let's stop with those scriptures for just a minute. And we're going to talk about their significance. So in the Old Testament, when uh, the high priest was ordained, you might remember that one of the steps in the process, um, in addition to the sacrifices that were made, is that a, a horn of oil was poured over the head of the high priest And that was um, symbolic of the uh, fullness of the Holy Spirit coming on him and giving him the ability to carry out the work for which he was called. And then you might remember the anointing uh, that came upon David when Samuel um, had been directed by the Lord to go to Jesse And to um, examine his sons. And when he came to that last son to David. He recognized that he was God's anointed. The next king of Israel. And he pours that horn of oil over him. And the scripture says that from that day on he became a different man. And the Holy Spirit came on him mightily in power. And this is what happened to Jesus at his baptism. It was like the consecration of David and like the ordination of Aaron. Uh, Jesus is about to begin his ministry. And rather than have the symbols of the Holy Spirit, the oil which was symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And uh, We're not exactly sure what this uh, looked like. We know that it looked like something uh, because uh, when Luke says that it happened that the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, it was something that could be seen. Some people have have depicted Jesus' baptism in art with a, a dove sitting on his shoulder, and their concept was that Um, An actual dove came and and flew down and sat on Jesus. And um, I don't know. I I suppose that we don't know definitively what happened. But here's another possibility. Is that um, the Holy Spirit descended in the form like a dove. So he he descended on Jesus with some kind of visible presence, perhaps a light, um, perhaps a cloud. A cloud is, um, would be uh, fitting because in the Old Testament tabernacle and temple, when God's presence came upon either of those two places in great uh, force and power, The priests were not able to come in because a cloud would be present. And that was the presence of God um, called the Shekinah of God. And um, so a a cloud in the form of a dove descending, kind of like a dove would, um, hovering, that could have been um, what it looked like. The important thing is not so much what it looked like, but that it happened we know that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and filled him um, and empowered him at his baptism. And so we had had the witness of the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism, that he is God's son and that he is um, capable for the ministry that God has brought him to earth for. And the Holy Spirit is empowering him to do the work of of God on earth. And uh, that's a, a very important thing to remember about Jesus' ministry is that when he functioned on earth, he was functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit and giving us an example of how we can function when we submit to the Holy Spirit as well. Not that we'll ever duplicate and um, equal his ministry, although he said that we would do greater things than him after he left, he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's how we operate and live our lives, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at another passage, because another witness to Jesus, another um, witness to his his ministry and to who he was, was John the Baptist. Let's read this passage. Verse 29 of chapter 1, uh, book of John. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Ooh, John recognized him and he was able to identify him. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he describes um, his own experience, verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. Let's, Let's pause there for just a minute. And you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he's related to Jesus. How could he say he didn't know him? Uh, Had he never seen him as an adult or even as a child? I think probably what he was saying here was not that he didn't know who he was, but he didn't know for certain who he was until this sign that we're going to read about was displayed in him. And so he knew about Jesus. He knew about the works that he was doing, about his character and all of that but he's waiting for a particular sign which will confirm to him that he is the Messiah. Okay, let's pick it up again in verse 33. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Let's read that next verse. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Okay, let's stop with these two verses. So, uh, John is saying, God gave me a sign. He told me, when you see the Holy Spirit descend on a person and remain on him, he is the one Who will baptize with the Holy Spirit? He is God's chosen one. In other words, he is the Messiah. He's the one you've been preparing people for. He's the one who's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. He's the one whose sandals you're not fit to uh, stoop down and untie. And so John was waiting for this to happen. He was waiting for this sign. And that's why... We believe that um, when the spirit descended, it was something visible that, that you could see and John could see. And so he saw this spirit descend. And the interesting phrase also, remain on him. Does that mean that Jesus had a dove on his shoulder for the rest of his ministry? I don't think so. I think probably John was saying, I saw the spirit descend on him. And I saw him remain on him by the works that he did. This testimony that John gave to Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29 through 35, uh, that came later after Jesus' baptism. And so John had a chance to observe his ministry after that point. And he noticed that Jesus was carrying on his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit different than anyone had ever carried on ministry. And so that was the spirit remaining on him. It wasn't just the spirit for uh, his ordination, his inauguration, but it was his spirit day after day. Ministry to people, powerful under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So John testifies that Jesus was the Messiah. I'd like you to go back now with me to Luke chapter 3, verse 22. And the Holy Spirit descended on him, Jesus, in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Who is speaking? obviously his father, our heavenly father, was affirming to Jesus and to those that were listening that he was his son and that he loved him and that he was well-pleased with him. What a beautiful way to affirm that Jesus was the one whom he had sent, that Jesus was the Messiah, He was the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He was the one whom we needed to believe in and put our faith in and follow with all of our hearts. Probably this was maybe the greatest um, thing that, I, you know, was it the Holy Spirit coming on him or was it God's voice? It was the most important thing. I, I would think both were equally important, but hearing God's voice, saying what he said was extremely significant. It was the witness of the father that that he was the Messiah. This happened again on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 5. And let's look at that for just a minute. Um, and this is also reaffirmed in Mark and Luke as well. But here's the passage from Matthew. While uh, when Jesus was on this mountain with us, a few of his disciples and uh, they were transfigured, they, their, their bodies changed into, it seems, glorified bodies. And Moses and Elijah were there. And, and uh, it, it was just a great event. And... Uh, So in the middle of this event, God speaks and uh, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so God again affirms and confirms that this is his son. This is before he is um, led to the cross and gives his life. And just another confirmation from, from heaven and from God. If you would, let's go back to Luke uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 22 again. And uh, I want us to just think about this for a minute. How much does a father's blessing matter? In the Jewish way of doing things it seems that a a paternal blessing was perhaps something that was done we have several um, uh, examples of it in scripture Noah passed on blessings to his sons Uh, certainly Isaac did that with Esau and with Jacob and then Jacob did that with his sons and with his two grandsons uh, via Joseph and uh, so there may have been this um, paternal blessing that was um, given as a rule. I, I can just think back in my own life, and maybe you can as well, to um, the importance that we placed on hearing something like our father's pleasure coming from his lips. I think we heard a lot of other things coming from our father's lips. Like, what are you doing? Or, uh, my goodness, what were you thinking? We heard lots of that. And probably the answer to that last one was, I wasn't thinking. (laughs) But to hear from our father, I'm proud of you, son. Good job oh, that meant a lot, didn't it? And uh, doesn't that mean a lot to hear that from somebody significant in our lives? Would that have meant something to Jesus to have heard that from his heavenly father? You, You could argue that Jesus was God and God has no needs and so Jesus would have had no needs and therefore Hearing that would have meant nothing to him. Uh, he was totally self-sufficient. And yet I, I don't believe um, being sovereign um, means that um, as sovereign God and Lord, that um, experiencing things of love would be, uh, not be important to him. In fact, if you look with me in, in another passage, John 5, 37, we have, I think, confirmation that this blessing that he received from his father really did mean something to him. It's later in his ministry, he's confronting Jews, and, and they're confronting him, and he's, he's um, arguing for the truth of the gospel. And uh, they're saying, you know, why should we believe you, and and. You know, Jesus is saying this, and he says in verse 37 of John 5, and the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. I believe he's referring to his baptism and to the Mount of Transfiguration. When he heard the word of the father, this is my beloved son, or you are my my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I believe Jesus carried that with him throughout his earthly ministry. I believe he drew strength from that. And um, so this baptism is his ordination. And it's an ordination that's very much more personal, I think, than, than most, that even then the high priest or the, that uh, David experienced when he was ordained as king. This ordination, confirmed by John the Baptist later, confirmed by the Holy Spirit, by being anointed by the Spirit, and then finally being confirmed by the blessing of the Father. I'd like for us to close today. And as we close just want to ask a question of us today are we generous in our gift of words to significant people in our lives has have your sons and daughters heard you say I'm proud of you I love you I'm pleased with you have people that work with you heard that from you. Uh, Our words can mean so much, and like Jesus, we can carry those good words for years, and they can serve as an encouragement to us in times of difficulty. I just want to encourage you uh, to follow the example of our Heavenly Father and to be generous in your affirming words to the people that are important to you. Well, we've had a great study today about the baptism of Jesus, and uh, it's so fitting this week when we've already experienced an inauguration, and uh, Jesus' inauguration, ordination, consecration, whatever you want to call it, at his baptism. So much more significant than any ordination or inauguration here on earth. And uh, we're we're blessed for it. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for coming to earth and and humbling yourself in this act of being baptized, affirming the work of John the Baptist. And and then uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for affirming your son Jesus and giving us that great example of how we can affirm those in our lives that need our affirmation and deserve it. Thank you, Lord. We just uh, ask that as we live our lives that we'll remember these things, and we pray in Jesus' name.